Hey all, welcome to the Military Wire with Mike Schindler, the podcast where we interview some of America's most elite men and women who have served this country. We share their stories, their stories of overcoming, their proven lessons in leadership, and their journey to finding mission and purpose. Uh, and we've got a great guest today for this show, Bob Ford. Before I go into his intro, though, I want to put a shout out to our segment sponsors, Honest Talk International and Circle for Parents. Both these organizations uh, have a stellar vetted network of experts that are standing by to help our listeners navigate issues related to nutrition, fitness, parenting, relationships, intimacy. I encourage you to visit their sites, their websites at honestbirthtalk.com and circleforparents.com. And Circle for Parents is circled the number four, parents.com. So our guest, excited to have Bob Ford on, Vietnam veteran who flew over a thousand missions during the war. He just finished his book called Black Cat 2-1, The True Story of Vietnam a Helicopter Pilot and His Crew. Mr. Ford, welcome to the show. Oh, couldn't couldn't be honored anymore. Thank you so much. Anytime I can get to talk about the men I served with in Vietnam, I'm, I'm your guy. That's for sure. Well, I, I, I love it, and I love that you are on kind of this mission to change the narrative around uh, the Vietnam veteran, and we'll talk about that. Okay. And, but before we do, I just want to let our guests know that uh, I think it was last November uh, 2018 – you were inducted into the Oklahoma Military Hall of Fame, and you were awarded what Major General Douglas O'Dollar Distinguished Public Service yes. Award. Is that right? Yeah. In in addition to the being in the Military Hall of Fame, they once a year give one of the inductees a, a special service award uh, that contributes to who contributes to their community and state and uh, and veterans in general. And I received that. It was it was an in, incredible honor. And, and of those inductees, what makes it even more special to me and all my men is that four were inducted as, uh, killed in action. And so, and there right? was their heirs and their grandsons that, that were there to accept the honor. So, uh, out of the, out of the ten, I've, I feel very, very, very honored to do that. And it was, it was, uh, I had a, several people, including the, Army ROTC commander in my corner to uh, nominate me, which I didn't know until they told me, and it, and I it, very humbling. It, it really was. Well, sir, I'm I'm sure it, no question that uh, that you deserved it, and and you you continue this act of service. I noticed in your bio where you have funded college educations and student expenses for needy families. You've placed computers in schools. Uh, you've donated bicycles for Christmas Santa drawings. Um, I think you even donated a Huey helicopter. Is that right to the Oklahoma History Center in Oklahoma City? I have, um, I have, and most that you talk about are done anonymously. However, the one, the two, actually, there's two helicopters. One at my hometown in Shawnee, Oklahoma, is at the Memorial Park, just right next to the old courthouse and the and flanked by the old Carnegie Library. So those listening can just imagine the scene and, and the and the location that would be. Now, the other one at the Oklahoma History Center is hanging in in there, and uh, I was very, very honored for these guys to, to want to put one in. And, and since it has been hung up, I suggested, and it took a half a year to get it done, but it is going to be a permanent display. Now, you talk about honorable, because the only other aircraft that's ever going to be in that history center 
is a replica of Wally Post's aircraft that he flew around the world, the uh, the Winnie Mae. And so no having kidding. two aircraft, and one of which is the uh, Huey helicopter, is really something. Now, and the reason that wasn't done anonymously because my on the front of each one of those helicopters, one in Shawnee and then one there at the History Center, has a big full moon and a black cat silhouette on the nose, which is exactly like the one that I flew. And uh, and anybody that sees that will know, uh, Ford, you must have had a, a hand in this. And I said, you bet I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's and that's, and you were and that's where the call co- sign comes from, the book, by the way. Oh, I'd like to tell you just quickly, uh, Black Cat 2-1, anybody that makes aircraft commander, and it usually takes about six months to do it, and uh, some never do. And when you make that aircraft commander, you receive your orders and you get a call sign. And any time you're in the aircraft in that left seat, that aircraft becomes you, your call sign. And our nickname was the Black Cats, which there you, that's what it is. That's the Black Cat part of it. And I was okay. in the second platoon, and there's the two, and one was available, and I thought it sounded the best. <laughs> and it's, it's that, that simple. That's so great. <laughs> So I won't tell you how I got my call sign. So I'm, yeah, well, glad, yeah. I'm glad you shared how you got yours. So that's that's awesome. That is so great. Yeah. That is so great. Well, and I, I didn't I didn't mean to blow your cover either. I know that yeah. you'd given uh, that that you know stuff. Uh, had I known you'd given that other stuff anonymously, we would have kept it that way. But well, uh, it uh, you know it probably will stay that way. Uh, and and the word gets out, of course. But uh, it just it's things just like that that. It makes you feel the best. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's talk about your book a little bit. And I, yes. I, you know, and, and, and that'll lead into your Vietnam experience and certainly how you transition out. But Black Cat 2-1, the true mm-hmm. story of Vietnam helicopter pilot and his crew, um, this, this is where you, you flew over a 1,000 missions in Vietnam. Yes. Um, well, walk now, us through that 1,000 missions. Okay. That's a lot. I, well, it is a lot to anybody because when I ask – Anybody, uh, I'll usually stop and I say, how many missions do you think I flew? And I've even talked to Air Force uh, student pilots and, and any, like, a say, a Rotary Club or even uh, young kids, and nobody has ever guessed over 150, and some, some will guess like 40, things like, like that. And I, I said, no, yeah. it's a 1,000, and it's hard to believe, but if you knew our mission, you would understand we were the furthest northern Army helicopter unit in Vietnam, and that was between July 67 and July 68. And we lived in a little uh, compound called the MACV compound, the military advisors. There's only 200 of us. And so we had three aircraft, eight pilots. I was a lieutenant and seven warrant officers, four aircraft commanders and four co-pilots. And we were we were responsible for 2,000 square miles of our area of operation, and we flew Air Force wow. Rescue. We flew for the Marines, the Special Forces, all Army personnel, advisory personnel, and the Vietnamese and the top Vietnamese uh, units in Vietnam, the First Arvin Division, the First Army of the Republic of Vietnam Division, as well as their Special Forces, which was called the Hawk Bow. And we nicknamed them the uh, the Black Panthers, and so as a result, we were in demand a lot, and we were by ourselves a lot. We very seldom saw mm-hmm. each other during the day. However, in an emergency, we could contact each other on the radio. And when we took off for a, a mission, 
if we had completed that mission or interrupted by a forward air controller, that's what we did. We set our priorities. And as a result, when we got through a mission, we would call uh, a forward air controller, which was that airplane in the sky. We, they're the bird dog pilots, and report in and, and just simply say, this is a Black Hat 2-1 on guard, any cat killer, which is their call sign, come up uniform. And that meant come up a pre-designated UHF frequency that we could just kind of talk back and forth. And we'd, they'd come up and say, okay, I say Black Hat, yeah, we got, I've got a guy in contact. Are you, where are you? And we'd give him our approximate location. And then he would give us the frequency and their prof, approximate location, and we'd be on our way. And as a result, no we flew, And so you did this over a thousand times. In, in what time frame? Was this a one-year period? Yes, one year. Yes. Uh-huh. Now, now we were pretty unique. Uh, I, I must admit, because our headquarters was in Da Nang, which was sixty some miles south of us, and way where I was located was about forty miles from the DMZ, and so there was a lot of the war was going on. You know, we went out to Quezon and all the special forces camps in that area, like Langvey, all the Marines along the along the DMZ, as well as Dong Ha, and, well, I hate to say all these Vietnamese names here, but listeners not, not know them, but it was just a high concentrated part of the war, and we were in demand all the time. Wow. So were we had these a, missions dangerous, Bob? I mean, I, you know, well, yeah, the movies. But, well, we, we had all volunteers. Anybody that came yeah. up to my unit had uh, had to volunteer to come. And all the door gunners were second tour door gunners that, uh, infantry, infantry men, I should say, that volunteered to be a door gunner because they enjoyed the contact with the enemy and they knew they'd get it every day, every hour. And so all I right. had the best. I really did. They, we were all cut the same. We're, nobody was any more, I was nothing special. All my, all, everybody there was just, we were all cut the same and we, we really looked for trouble and enjoyed the thrill of helping somebody out, and especially if they were under under fire. I never felt like we were overmatched, except a very few times that I feel like we were overmatched because our door gunners were so good. Is that right? Oh, so yeah, what, what, what did that experience teach you? I mean, it, it seems like it was like a, the op tempo. I mean, that's a pretty fast op tempo, a thousand missions in a year. It is. Um, you're always going. Uh, you're not seeing some of you know your other teammates, obviously, because you're always on the move. What did you learn through that experience? Well, you learn how to con- control your emotions under fire. That's for darn sure. You and you also learn <laughs> I'm sure. yeah. preparation, preparation before a, a mission. And preparation comes through two very distinct words. And, and I, I would like to just stop a second because I was asked one time, point blank, what one word defines a successful combat helicopter pilot? And I took a breath, I knew what I was going to say, and I stopped and said, I want to hear what you say. And I was talking to a big group, and they had all these different superlatives of uh, what it took, uh, everything from brave to uh, determined, things like that. And and I said, mm-hmm. okay, i tell you what it is. It's, number one is discipline, and number two is communication. And so what, it, what that taught me in combat that I also – Coming back to be a successful in, in the civilian life, which I feel like I have been, 
And it was the discipline, the discipline to get everybody prepared, the discipline to be able to handle any emergency and stay calm and handle that machine, knowing that your men, through proper communication, will handle their job for you. And those two door gunners did. And it, it wasn't just right in the mission. The crew chief handled his his part of his mission way before we even took off, and that is making sure that machine was, that helicopter, was in top-rate shape. And, and I never had problems with the performance of the aircraft, and I never had a machine gun foul during the during any mission. So that took discipline wow. on their part. And they knew they'd get it from yeah. me, and I knew I'd get it from them. And that produced a successful mission time and time again. You know, that's interesting, that whole discipline and communication. I, I think that, that is something that can carry uh, throughout anybody's life, really. I mean, they, you know, having the discipline to, to do the things that you need to do to be prepared, as you say. But communication is so important. I mean, to have, oh gosh, you know, yes. comms that are open and just, you know, being able to communicate frequently. It, did you find that you and your team performed better than others, or or the things that you guys did in field, was it pretty consistent that those that were in the same position as you followed the same principles? Well, we probably had a little more, simply because there was more demanded of us. Now, all the yeah. helicopter pilots over there were good. There's no question about that. And yeah. If you made aircraft commander... You earned it. It, it was, never was given to you. It was according to ability, not rank. And, yes, I, I feel like we were elite. I really do. Because of our yeah. time of the war, for sure. Because you know, we not only had a lot going on before Tet, but, good gosh, you ought to, when Tet hit, it really was a demanding deal. Not only the enemy condition, but the weather Flying in, in weather right. at between five and ten feet off the ground, going ninety knots in less than a quarter of a mile of visibility, it required a lot. It really did. It, you had to really have all your skills working full time. And I felt like wow. we I felt like we did it. I know we did it. Well, you did do it. I mean, you came back and you transitioned successfully, and you you know you've gone on to do some great things and uh, impacting your community and. You, you know, we've all seen the stories, we've heard the stories of uh, Vietnam veterans coming back and not really being accepted by their communities, by society. Uh, America at that time, as you know, clearly know, uh, could not disassociate the soldier from the war. Uh, and a number of stories that come out of that. Uh, but you seem to have tackled that. You transitioned uh, what appears to be successfully. Um, and have proven what, you know, the stats show that many of our, you know, Vietnam veterans go on to run very successful companies. They make a tremendous impact in community. But but what was it that separated you from those that maybe didn't have such a great successful transition? Was there was there one thing you did that well, kind of determined that our transition is going to be better? Good point. A very good point. A wonderful question. Because before I landed... I reviewed in my before I landed on continental U.S. Came home from Vietnam, getting ready to land at Fort Lewis, Washington, and I it probably the last four or five hours on the flight, I I started thinking, well, maybe I am going to make it. And when, before I landed, I had formulated in my mind that I was not going to let anything bother me, other than proceed with my life like I should. 
and and that included war protesters or those that hightailed it to Canada or any anybody in in that realm i was not i told myself i will not even give them an audience in my mind much less mm. reply to that type of of people and so i said i'm going to land here i'm going to be a uh, my last year in the army i'm going to make a success as being an instructor pilot at fort walters texas i'm going to hopefully have a child and be the best dad that these kids will ever have in, in, the, in the world, and I'm going to stay in shape. I wanted to get my body back in good athletic shape, and I knew by that your physical shape and mental shape will go hand in hand and stay busy and surround myself with people that were positive. And the first thing I did when I came back in civilian life, after I got out of the Army and came out here to this little town of O'King, Oklahoma, to run our family flour mill, that I was around some great guys. I went to the, mm. I had to go to the dentist, <laughs> and and I met him. We've been pals ever since. A couple of coaches, a minister, some businessmen, and I surrounded myself immediately with the best guys. And <laughs> kind of a side note, when I when I came, and for five years later. The older people in town would see me here and there, and I'd always get asked if I was a coach or a preacher. <laughs> so right? I thought I must be Is doing right? something right, keeping yeah, my nose no clean, <laughs> to be labeled no that. And I said, no, ma'am, no, I'm with the Oking uh, flour mill, and, and oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so so the whole point, and I, and I immediately started getting in shape and, and, mm. and getting my body back in shape, and the, the mind went right with it. Is that right? So, you know, this is powerful. I love what you're saying about this. I mean, you talk about physical discipline. It goes back yes. to your one word uh, of discipline, which is, is. You know, physical discipline, mental discipline, um, and really positive association, which is so critical. I mean, you and I both know that who you have on your team and in your corner truly does matter. Yes. So the fact that you were attentive to who you associate with, spend time with, mentor, and be mentored by uh, is is so important. So what do you do for mental discipline? You talk about the physical. So the physical kind of, and I know how that kind of incorporates into the mental, but are there other things you, that you do for the mental uh, well, health? Yes, there is. I, 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 of course, I read everything I, I can as, as, as much time I have, but in my business, uh, I, I changed the whole business around to make it a lot more streamlined within and within a uh, year and a half. I had it all back mainly to myself and put all the responsibility on myself, whereas we used to have five, they had five salesmen that sold the product, the, the flour. We ground wheat into flour, and I, in a year and a half, had it all down to myself, and I sell every pound of flour that leaves there, and that way I had daily contact and to this day by the way i i made several contacts mm. today i sell every pound that leaves there and we like over exactly. seven hundred thousand pounds of product today and so i am always mentally on top of the markets and on top of every every customer and certainly go uh share in all the responsibility with i have some other foremen and such with all the personnel of everything from acquiring the raw product, the wheat, to uh, um, personnel 
situations. So every day is a, is, is a, a mental challenge. And, and by the way, I, I've here, been here long enough that I, I'm able to take two hours off and work out every, every lunch hour, so to speak. And I always call that in the Army, the RHIP, rank has its privileges. <laughs> so I can take <laughs> off two hours and work out and then another workout in the, in the evening. And I have just awful, awfully good people. And I, and if I could, I'd like to say that all the men and women that work for me, every one of them performed the job better than I could, their job. <laughs> I'll tell you that for sure. Is that right? Yes, yes. Right. So you actually surrounded yourself with people even better than you, which I think is an important point. Yeah. That's no, there's no question about that, and I tell them that too. It's true. <laughs> oh, that is so great. Well, you, I, I mean, your transition from Vietnam mm-hmm. uh, into community, uh, making a difference in community. You're doing some pretty big things in Oklahoma. What, what, what are you doing? Uh, continue to do in Oklahoma? That, well, that's after I, I wrote the book, I'm so. I'll tell you the truth, I'm really proud of myself for getting this book written. It took me two years yeah. and getting and, and everything's right? verified by the way. Everybody has uh, has contacted that we're still alive and, and there was no less than one and but as many as three have verified every account and it, it not not as much as verification as what could they add to it. And almost invariably mm-hmm. we added something humorous because that was that right? part of yeah. our makeup. But after writing the book and going going out and, and talking a few times, then the, the word gets out. And so they, I get asked to come talk to people from oh, rotary clubs to um, uh, veterans clubs. And just last week I went to a military officers organization. And then the, the big tinker field, uh, I was asked to talk to all the commanders and at different Air Force bases. And, and by the way, I... When I go to Air Force bases, which a couple of times I talk to all of them, first time I say, "Well, wait a minute, I'm I'm a helicopter guy, <laughs> I'm, I'm Army. Yeah. Why do you want to uh, want me?" And and they said quite bluntly that none of us here, and none of us will ever have direct contact and combat experience like you did with the enemy. I said, "Well, you got you got the right guy then." Because I can sure tell you all about yeah, it's a, it. It's a totally and I, different But I give them a positive spin on everything. Yeah. When I wrote the book, I sent. I had a, several copies made at Kinko's, and you know you can imagine what that looked like. And I sent it right. out to over <laughs> twenty people. <laughs> you know, it wasn't even. It just looked like a, like a college. A manuscript, sure. That, that's yeah. it. A manuscript. That's all it was. Just a yep. manuscript, loosely bound. And I sent it out to over twenty diversified uh, uh, people. From World War II guys all the way down to a 16-year-old kid on purpose. I had a 16-year-old read it, school teachers, and they all said the same thing. They said, I didn't know about what you guys did. I never heard anything positive about Vietnam. My gosh, if people read this, they'd have a whole different outlook on those the soldiers and certainly those that flew helicopters in Vietnam. So I thought, my God, I must have done something right. And so it, yeah, and that's the whole, and that's that. really kind of the that that's that's kind of one of the underlying themes of of Black Hat Two One uh, Two One, correct? Is really yes. changing the narrative of how people view and understand those who served in Vietnam. Is that correct? That's that's correct. And I tell people now, I saw a lot of a lot of guys on the ground. 
I mean, the, the Vietnamese, the special forces, the, you know, uh, uh, certainly all the Marines. My God, I, no telling how many Marines I've been around, and I never saw one out of line, not one. They all performed magnificently, and I and I exactly. wanted everybody yeah. to know that. And, you know, yeah. here's a good example. I remember one time right out of the audience, somebody said, "Well, hey, what what do you think of those Vietnamese girls?" And I and I looked at him. And I said, "What do you mean?" And, I, and then I said, "Wait a minute. You just stop right there. I know what you mean. Oh, let me tell you. We had the most beautiful girls, Vietnamese girls, where we." were in a round way and we never talked to one we never made eye contact and we respected them 100 percent. so you can stop so right what, there so what and and i get that what what mm-hmm. you know movies like platoon that came out right which i think shaped i, I i'm going to say it probably shaped a good number of people's impression of vietnam That's, it um, is. It, so that movie, I mean, that movie seems so different than your book, Black Cat 2-1. Um, would you say that happened? I mean, I, I'm sure, you no, know, bad I, things happen in war, and, and there you are don't want to make a blanket bad. statement, but, yeah. yeah there, there are some things do happen better in war, but they also overplayed the disrespect for leadership. They way overplayed the derogatory and the uh, and the dist- the uh, the way the troopers uh, acted. I never saw. Now this is July sixty seven sixty eight. Now when yeah. I was there, I was never around any drugs at all. There was we knew they were probably present in the rear somewhere. I I I didn't never saw it because flying yeah. impaired was not even an option. I never saw my man yeah, really right. drink a beer. For one thing, we flew up into the night and we got up early. It, it, it just, it just wasn't there. We performed well, every day. Well, you were focused on mission. I mean, a thousand right. missions. I, I don't think you have much time to, you know, drink and do things that you probably no, we really didn't. Doing, so, yeah. <laughs> one time, a third, a little third grade girl stood up. At the, I was getting ready to leave, and in all seriousness, asked, "When did you have time to go to the bathroom?" <laughs> I said, sweetheart. Yeah, right. I, and boy, everybody got stone silent and wanted to hear the answer. And I said, sweetheart, I remember two times, the whole time. About got oh, shot by a sniper right? once in the landing zone, we thought was friendly, and then once with a mortar round about blew me up. And that just wasn't a priority. I don't know. <laughs> and that satisfied oh, the whole so class. Great. It was the truth. <laughs> Uh, it's so great. Well, listen, we're coming up on the on the hour, and I want to be respectful. How, how can people get your book, Black Cat Two One? Well, I, I, my little daughter, my beautiful little my two great kids, they she had a web website. You can go up. It's you know it's the old standard www and it's dot black cat two and then the dash one. Otherwise, people would say twenty one. So with a dash sure. in between it, you have to put that in. Uh, dot com and Amazon has it. If you go to Amazon uh, Books, the uh, and type in Black Hat Two One, it's right there. And on iTunes as well as um, uh, Amazon Audio, if you type in okay. audio, uh, Black Hat Two Dash One, the there it's available in audio book. Oh, that's great, Bob. I, I want people to be able to read and hear your stories. Um, 
before before I let you go, I, is there one thing? I mean, you've talked about a number of things, mm-hmm. uh, but is there one thing, one recommendation you would give transitioning service members, uh, or in this case, even Vietnam veterans, um, that one thing that they could do to improve their life? What would you say that is? Well, I sure would. The one thing I would say would be to get yourself in physical shape. As soon as you do that, the pride will come out, your mental capacity will come out, everything will, would, will revolve around mental shape. You know, lack of exercise is even worse than smoking, for gosh sakes. And so you've got to get out there and exercise, and believe me, everything will, will fall in place, and then be around some good people and be active. You know, the first time I was invited to go to the third grade class and talk, I hesitated for a second, and and, and I, I said, now I'm going to do this. It was the most wonderful experience in the world. Go to the school. Get prepared. I'd like to talk to the uh, class about Vietnam for 30 minutes. You will not believe the reward you'll get a lot more than the kids, and they're going to get a lot. Oh, that's great. Well, Bob Ford, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, you've been an amazing guest, and uh, I just I, – I, congratulations on getting your book done, and uh, yes, I, I appreciate your time. Glad to do it. Thank you, sir. You betcha. Bye.